So, I got a couple of vinyls the other day. Ooh, nice. Did I tell you about that? No. I went to I went to the local record store, and I, I went over to the the used record rack, paging through. Found me a little Toto. Got me some little little bit of Africa going on. Some Rosanna. Pristine condition. Gets better than that yet. Go up to the counter. Go to check out. The guy says, "Hey, it's a buy one get one on twenty dollar records." Nice. Touching. Go back. And what do you guess I find? I found and have uh, Ray Charles' greatest hits. <laughs> got Georgia on my mind. There you go. That's a good and, one. And, and no, so yeah, I came back with a with a decent score yesterday at the record store, and very happy about my my choices made there. Solid finds. Did that uh, final Logic album ever arrive? I'm I'm still, still waiting, waiting on it. Unfortunately, it's been two weeks since it's supposed to have been shipped. But uh, we'll see when that gets here. In the meantime, welcome to Up and Over. This is Matt speaking. I'm Blake. And we're your hosts today. And we're going to discuss the U.S. Men's National Team Friendly on November 12th. What are we going to be talking about today, Blake? We are going to be talking about the the players that we expect Burhalter to call in. This should be a largely, if not entirely, European-based group uh, that Burhalter calls into this uh, camp. And we're just going to kind of talk about some options and then go through our 11 that we want to see on the field. All right, folks. You heard it from Blake. Buckle up. We got some stats coming to you. We're going to break down positions and we're going to tell you what our preferred 11 is for this upcoming international window. The U S national team has a couple friendlies coming up. Uh, One for sure. Yeah. And they're going to be playing. Matt, what is that? Oh, wait a minute. It's coming to me. I'm getting some major Dory vibes here. Is that a whale? Yeah, they'll, they'll be playing. They'll be playing whales in November. That's one set in stone, and the other one is TBD. Maybe let's hope. Let's hope to get another one on the schedule. That would be good. Um, but at the very least, we will have a camp called in here for November. Actually, I believe Burhalter is expected to have that. Uh, the names of that camp here sometime. This week, uh, the week of November 1st, as we are recording here today on the 1st, it, uh, it should be a good time. Team hasn't been together since February or January. Uh, I can't even remember. This has been such a long year. Um, but I know Matt and I have been looking forward to this for a long time. It's been a long time coming. And, you know, watching the last international break without any U.S. action was painful. And I'm sure anybody would agree with that. Um, I mean, come on. What are you doing, U.S. soccer? Well, let's, let's get into it then with the keeper pool. Just right, right into who we think will be called in. I've already mentioned if he calls in MLS keepers, it'll be... Jonathan Klinsman or Brad Guzan, but who do we have in Europe, Matt? We got Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath. Uh, Zach Steffen plays for Manchester City. 
Ethan plays for Club Bruges in the Belgian Pro League, both of which currently play in the Champions League. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you definitely have a lot more to say about these two, so I'm going to kind of let you take the, ch- take the chair on this. Oh, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Um, let's, let's start with just Zach Steffen, maybe. Um, made the move from the crew, right, from Columbus crew in the MLS. Uh, signed with Man City, they sent him out on loan, went to Fortuna Dusseldorf. And where Stefan was starting until he ended up with a knee injury. Um, and that kind of set him back quite a bit. He didn't appear much after sustaining that injury. And then this year, Man City does not send him out on, on loan again, right? So he is now the second to Ederson, uh, you know, one, one of the best keepers in the world. And I'm okay with that, with this year – Stefan being the number two behind a keeper like Ederson, because for me in in my head, this gives Zach a chance to challenge Ederson. And although he's unlikely to win the position against him, it's against one of the best keepers in the world. Right. And, and challenging that level of player is sure to raise his level of play. Plus you're playing at a club in Manchester United where Man City. Or, yeah, sorry, Man City. Thank you. Uh, Man City where you're getting some some great coaching. All right. Oh, you've got you've got Pep so, taking yeah. on the team. And while some might some people might argue that oh he just goes to teams and have the money to win, they, he still wouldn't be a manager if he's not a, if he's not a really good manager. Like let's be real here. His his tactics are second to none. Or second to few, if if you will, it, it's things are tapering, but you know, he's still a very relevant manager. And for Stefan to a get his praise and b get his mentorship um, is going to be invaluable for the years to come. And he's only twenty five, so if keepers develop later too. We have John Luigi Buffon of Italy, who is. In, in his 40s at this yeah, point, so. and he's still starting, yeah, or at least still playing. So, you buckle up, folks. You got like a good 15 more years at the most, but you've got a solid 15 years coming with, you, with these goalkeepers. That and Ethan Horvath is also only 25. So, he's also 25. They're literally just a month apart in in uh, date of birth. So, so those two provide good competition with each other. Um, but Zach Steffen, I think, has proved himself on the international stage better than Ethan Horvath has. Um, Horvath seems to have a lot of promise, right? But he's just had some difficulty at the international level. He's had a, a couple slip-ups, just like really poor errors. And errors where you're like, you're a professional, like you can't make that kind of simple mistake. Okay, so let's let's just knock it out right now because we got a lot of players to go through. That's true. Between between um, the two of them, Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath, who you got starting? Zach Steffen. So yeah, we got we got Steffen as our starting goalkeeper. 
All right. What position should we move on to next? Let's go to the center backs. All right. We've got our central defenders of to choose from that are purely in Europe. We got John Brooks, young Chris Richards at Bayern Munich, Matt Miazga at Anderlecht. We've got Eric Palmer Brown at Austria Vine and Cameron Carter Vickers at Bournemouth on loan. Three of these have been on loan. Um, I, uh, let's include Tim Ream in that as well. I, I think in this, Matt, I listed him as an outside back, but he's better suited for a center back. So let's include him in this group. All right, we got, we got Tim Ream at Fulham also. So let's dive into that. Clear number one for me is John Brooks. John Brooks. Dang it, my Bell app has <laughs> has ads. Get out of here. John Brooks. You get the so, start, buddy, as long as you stay healthy. Pretty much. For me, John Brooks is the best center back that the U.S. has in the player pool. Right, He's 27. And, yeah, he's had a lot of injury trouble uh, since he made a huge impact at the, the 2014 World Cup. Um, but he's been able to stay healthy recently, and he's been a bright spot on an improved Wolfsburg team sitting in the middle of the table currently uh, in the Bundesliga. And so as long as he stays healthy, uh, I think that there's maybe an outside chance that he may end up doing some some captaining of the, the men's national team. Um, he is an, an excellent defender and has uh, really helped uh, that back line of Wolfsburg secure up um, secure up some spot and be right here at the middle of the table. So uh, they're not currently at least uh, worrying about relegation. All right. Well, we have two center backs that we typically play if you're doing a 4-4-2. So that brings us down to Chris Richards, who's only 20 and has started getting some semi- Frequent, not going to say regular, but semi-frequent caps with Bayern Munich, of which won last season's Champions League. So you've got a heavy hitter in Bayern Munich, and you've got a young Chris Richards who's starting to make his name known to that club as well. You've got Matt Miazga at Anderlecht, who's, uh, who's had his stints with the U.S. men's national team. He's only 25. Uh, he's definitely proven some good worth in the position, but, you know, uh, with John Brooks having that locked down. And the other one, it seems to be a little bit up for grabs between uh, four or five other players. Uh, still a toss-up. Matt Miazga is definitely a good option since he's had caps with the U.S. Um, so you definitely got some veteran status there in comparison to, say, Chris Richards, who's only got, I think, only five caps with Bayern Munich and Bayern, very yep. few with uh, – if. He has none, no caps with the U.S. men's national team, at least the first team. Um, right. Yeah, uh, and then why don't you talk a little bit more about Palmer Brown, Carter Vickers, and Tim Ream? I mean, not – I guess I don't have a ton to say here on uh, 
Palmer Brown or Carter Vickers, uh, both, I think, are, they're both still very young and um, developing into good young players. I, I see them as viable second options. Uh, I don't particularly believe that they'll end up ever really winning a starting role unless unless someone is you know unhealthy um, or not able to uh, not able to make an international window for whatever reason. Uh, so, um, but but yeah, I do believe they're good second options. Tim Ream, uh, left-footed center back that mm, it, he'll get called in. I'm sure Berhalter likes him um, to provide some veteran status on a very young European squad. European base squad, uh, but really I see him just being that role is a, a veteran for that squad because Brooks will have that left center back position held down. You're not going to play Tim Ream at that right side center back, um, but you may also see Tim Ream play some some left back uh, that modern. Well, he doesn't play that modern role so well, but. Um, He'd be able to be a dual. He'll play dual position if if called into that. If slot. needed, yeah, yeah. All right, so we got John Brooks as stated as our left center back. Who would you say you would feel most confident taking up that other center back position? Most confident, currently in Miazga, soon to be surpassed by Chris Richards. Though Miazga solely on age and experience, um, but. I think you get Richards and Brooks together right now in a camp. You're looking at a very good pairing for the next World Cup in our center backs, leading that back line. People that I feel very confident in, uh, especially if Richards is able to continue to break through at Bayern, which is hands down the best club in the world right now. Uh, Like, for me, it's it's not even an argument, and yeah. so you get those two together, and the next World Cup cycle like that—that's a scary center back combo. And so, even moving forward, possibly John Brooks may still be around for the twenty twenty six World Cup. Yeah, that given his health. Um, so I guess between Miazga and Richards, who do you want to see get the start? I want to see. Richards get the start. I would agree. I would agree. I this is a good opportunity for our young bucks to uh, see the field for the first time. And there's there there's there's nothing to lose uh, with this team right now. So let's say Chris Richards, right center back. Another ad. Oh, there we go. This is going to be troublesome. All right, let's move on to our outside backs. We've talked about our keepers and our central defenders. Got to fill out the rest of the back line, don't we, Blake? We sure do. And and honestly, this is one of my favorite positions uh, in the in the pool right now. These outside backs. Um, we've struggled finding a left back for years, and now I think we finally have a couple options. Um, We've already covered Anthony Robinson in, in one of our episodes, um, and we really hope that he develops into 
you know, the, the clear-cut starter, the guy that we can rely on, he's going to be the left back for years to come. Uh, yeah, that's he's, our he's hope. Yeah, he's been improving with Fulham, and he's actually starting to see the start on regular games rather than just cup games. So that that right. speaks volumes for uh, for his his accolades and work ethic on the team. Um, he's pretty much got that on lock. But let's t- let's talk some stats. In his uh, six appearances so far this season, he's for Fulham. Uh, he's had 84% pass accuracy and 60% success on tackles um, for his six appearances for Fulham. And he's only had seven appearances for the U.S. men's national team, but he'll have plenty of plenty of those appearances yet to come. Right. He This season has an overall rating of 6.89, which is pretty decent, uh, actually. Um, in those seven appearances for the U.S., Matt, we talked about this a little bit in the Fulham episode with Adam, uh, but he, I felt like he struggled a bit defensively at times. I think he gives a lot moving forward, which is that modern outside back now that we see so much. Um, so if if he can really improve his skills defensively with Fulham, then Anthony Robinson is our left back for, for years to come. So you, you would want to see him get the start in this November friendly. I would too. Yes. Yeah, I do. All right. Anthony Robinson. Welcome. Damn ads. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. All right. But I, uh, who would be second to Robinson? If we're going to, as we said just previously, Tim Marie might be able to fill that position. Um, and I don't like you know, that though. I, I don't either. Tim, however, we need to talk about it. Tim Ream is teammate to Anthony Robinson right now. Mm-hmm. And Ream's been on Fulham for quite some time. However, even though he has um, comparable success in tackles, his overall player rating is 6.1. Um, take that as you will, but when... I'd say when you're pushing the boundary of seven, you're you're really growing as a player. And given Tim Ream's age and not necessarily uh, holding up to certain standards for Fulham in the league, and I would say he hasn't necessarily been the best option or choice when he's played for the U.S. men's national team. So he might start playing second fiddle to to Anthony Robinson here real quick. Well, and, and even for Reem, I would prefer him as a, a second to Brooks than a second to Robinson. I don't want to see Reem if he's playing. I don't want to see him in an outside back. He's too exposed out there, um, or at least at, at a center back, he's less exposed. He's able to, to play a little bit more centrally, not have to, to push up as much as that modern fullback now requires. Um, and, and Burr does like to have those outside backs push. So, um, that again, I think is where Reem fits into, to this, uh, this lovely mess that we find ourselves in. But we even have more of a mess when it comes to choosing who we want on the right back. Yeah. We've got some heavy hitters. We do. Um, and in years past, that person has been DeAndre Yedlin. Now, Matt, I know that you are very much. You have. A I lot have my qualms. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying I don't. I don't 
like him as a whole and what he's done for the team, but I th- I think his time has passed given our up and coming options, mm-hmm. I, which I are Sir, which are Serginho Dest, who is now playing at Barcelona, and Reggie Cannon, who we anecdotally spoke of in a prior episode. He left Dallas. He's now at Boa Vista in Portugal, and he's been starting ever since. Um, Reggie Cannon has overall rating of 6.23, which is okay. His pass accuracy is 83%. He's 100% on dribbles taken on, uh, and he's 100% successful in his tackles, just in all his five appearances for Boa Vista. Uh, comparatively, Serginho Dest has a higher rating at a 6.38, with an 89% pass accuracy, 100% shot accuracy. Now here's the notable uh, piece that makes Serginho Dest such a such a heavy hitter as a right back. He's 82% success on his dribbles, which means no. for for those for those of you uh, listening who might not understand what these stats are, a successful dribble is uh, being able to have the ball and successfully get by an opponent who is trying to take one on one one v one so it's it's one v one situations and with an 82 percent success rate that's huge especially for a defensive position well well the thing is and and we mentioned that cannon has a hundred percent successful dribble rate cannon does not get upfield as much as Dest does he's not taking on players one v one like Dest does um and Dest gets involved. He plays a lot of little one-twos on that sideline. He provides a lot of overlapping runs and really gets into the attack. I think Cannon has a lot of quality going forward, but he just doesn't do it at the frequency that Dest does. Yeah. I mean, so- I mean, even for Dest, like we've we've had several conversations um, or heard several conversations or read conversations where. What if we played Dest as a, a winger as opposed to an outside back, right? That's how much quality he has moving forward. Yeah, and and while this is a tough decision to decide who's going to take that right back position, I'm happy we're in that in that situation right. where that, it's a matter of oh, I don't know who to start because they're they're both great options. Um, but for in in my opinion. For the sake of where they're at currently professionally, Serginho Dest is going to start always over Reggie Canyon on the basis of he's starting for Barcelona or has for a few games, and he's uh, he's getting yeah, he's get he's getting minutes um, regardless of starts or no starts. So um, he he's going to. Would you agree? You can talk about that briefly, but would you agree <sighs> that Dest is our right back? Yes. All right, Dest. You're being called up. Welcome to the team. Every time there's an ad, every time, every time. So all you listeners out there, (laughs) so all you listeners out there, I have this app that has some wacky sounds on it. And I cleared out an ad. I hit the button and it popped up another ad. I, I, I guess you just can't have a bell option anymore. So for to be egregious here. There you go. Welcome to the team, Serginho Dest, at least for the starting position. Now, Blake, I'm going to let you divulge a smidge into your, your, just, your just wanna, frustrations. Yeah, just want a few seconds here. 
right? The Barcelona man has missed out on he missed out on a Champions League draw against Juventus and teammate Weston McKinney. McKinney did also not start. Um, it was his first opportunity to play back from COVID, um, but he did make a, a cameo appearance for I think twenty minutes. Um, right, but this is is baffling to me because Dest didn't play at all in that Champions League draw, and he didn't play at all yesterday either. He got on the field. Did he get on? He got on. He was subbed in. He got he got one shot Less on goal. Than, okay. And he still yeah it, he came I'm, on late, and they I'm drew and the team drew one to one. Coleman for whatever reason, thinks that he has a difficult decision to make. And actually, he he said this in in a press conference, that he has a difficult decision to make between Serginho Dest and Sergei, or Sergei Roberto, apparently. Um, spoiler, Dest is the better option. Uh, I might be biased, but I, I don't know. That's just, it's frustrating. You bring on this young guy that you... you expect to be the replacement and then several matches in a row you're not starting him win uh it, he got the start against real didn't he yes against madrid yeah you're starting him against madrid and then you're not playing him or only bringing him on for a very brief substitution yeah arguably el clasico is definitely a more risky risky take on to put a young young player yeah. in for a start than i'd say a champions league match in the group stage El Clasico forever is going to be one of those uh, situations where you want to play your best side. Champions League, those these are these are powerhouse teams that are likely going to end up there year in year out for a very long time. And yes, you're playing Juventus, who is a very high caliber team, but you got to start the guy who's going to give you some really good chances. Mm-hmm. And Dest mm-hmm. has already proven that in a couple of games. And we he's could go, 19 compared yeah. to Roberto's 27 years of age, right? So just like Dest is the future. Play the guy. He he's proven he deserves it. Okay, we're done with that. We're moving. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not our this is our not our topic of conversation here. Dest deserves more minutes, I'd say, based on his work ethic than what he's been given. But once he hits that US men's national team. Uh, friendly window. I really want to see him start, and I think he's the man for the job in the right back position. All right, next. All right, so so far we've talked about our keepers, our center backs, our outside backs. We're going to take a quick break, though, and move on to our double dummy segment. Today, for our double dummy, we're bringing on a, a good friend of mine from high school, Lucas Langwin. Lucas and I have known each other uh, since he moved into town in uh, middle school and uh, played on several sports teams together and just uh, grew pretty close as friends and surprisingly even closer after after graduation. But um, Yeah, so here's Luke. Luke, thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it. Good to be here. Just trying to uh, take you both down in fantasy this year. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on how awful things have been. Yeah, so for our listeners, uh, Matt and I 
as your host, we're we're in a fantasy football league together. Luke is also in the same league, um, and this is a, a running. This is our third year on the league, second year as a keeper league. Langwood just joined this year. We're uh, we're having some fun with it, but Matt, you you play second last year, and it's been a little difficult. Langwood's coming in and running the table basically as a first year. Maybe. He, Maybe it's beginner's luck in the league, or I, I don't know what's going on. But it's probably beginner's luck. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. This guy's doing sports betting like all the freaking time. Every time we get together, it's oh, what's the line? What's the over? What's the under? Let's go. It's not stop. Guys, all in on sports. All right, respectable. If I guess start tracking some uh, European soccer and. Have something to do once football season's over. Well, you can you can come to us with any questions. We'll uh we'll try and steer you in the right direction to make a bit of money, or just see what kind of dummies you can make of us as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what else? What else you got for us, Luke? All right. First question would be: If every state played each other in soccer. Who has like, the most talent and put, put together the best team? I'm gonna, I'm, you know, what? I'm just gonna be bold, make a make a straight statement uh, based on nothing really, other than a little bit of knowledge. I'm gonna just say Texas. You've got Reggie Cannon, you've got Weston McKinney, both overseas. You've got, I believe, uh, Chris Richards was on FC Dallas Academy as a youth player. Um, so you already got three really good players and I'm sure there's plenty of others in the pipeline and, uh, had been playing there before. So I guess right now I would say Texas would probably be able to field one of the best groups of players out of the States. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Dallas Academy is pretty good. Next. The uh, white whale of a gap. Could you repeat that? Who would be your white whale having a guest on a podcast? Anybody in the world? Oh boy! Like if I could, oh, if I could add anybody on this podcast, I would say so. I really like the band The Roots, Ooh, and yeah. I even more so like Questlove. I'm a drummer. He's a drummer. I follow him. I have multiple books of his. I would just love to sit down, pick his brain on music, um, have a really long aside on whatever he wants to talk about, and then maybe see, I, is he a Philadelphia Union fan? Who knows? I mean, they're from Philly, so I would only assume. But I think for me, that would be my white whale. Uh, so if... You're listening, Questlove. Hit us up. <laughs> what about you, Blake? Maybe it's just because I just got done or just got caught up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I love Terry Crews. Oh, like, yeah. I love okay. Terry Crews. Guy just seems so funny, um, but I, I've also read his book, and uh, I think he's just he's a very – intelligent and passionate guy and uh he'd have a, a lot of 
good insight um, and just be very good at conversation. Uh, yeah. And I think if we're going to talk supposedly our, all right, white whale of, of uh, U.S. men's national team players. Current roster, I'd love to have Reggie Cannon on. Past roster, Demarcus Beasley. <laughs> Demarcus, yes, I would love to have Demarcus on as well. Or Agutjanie, we were there doing their own podcast with uh, Mauricio Mukibes, uh, called the Crack Podcast. I would highly recommend giving that a listen. Uh, I've been binging that, loving it. Uh, Demarcus would be fun, but I think I might have to go with. I think I might have to go with Clint. Mm. Just because he's such a character. All right, I guess I, I, I'm completely lost my mind because he's also from Texas. So to go back to that previous question to reiterate the powerhouse of Texas players, you got Clint Dempsey on the mix there. Yeah, just I I had I had to touch on that. So yeah, I guess those would be my white whales as far as outside the sport and inside the sport. Uh, for my current player, I think I'd probably have to go with uh, Weston McKinney. I think I just like to have fun. Like I've heard that he just always has a smile on his face. Um, obviously, I don't know, but uh, seems like. He is very mature for, for being such a young guy. Not that I'm much older than him, but, um, you know, taking a stance, being one of the first people to really uh, use his voice uh, with uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, when they came back from play from COVID. And, um, yeah, just I think he's doing some incredible things and, and really taking a leadership role uh, in all facets of his life. Uh, yeah. Just be a great guy to have on. All right, Lucas, one more question. What do you got for us? Let's go with a soccer based question for myself. Someone who enjoys playing it, but doesn't do it very often. Say we're just out playing a pickup game somewhere. Would you rather have someone on your team that fast you can fly around, but little to no shot ability or someone that can control the ball but you're not going to see taste down loose balls. I'd like somebody who can control the ball and even if they can't chase down a loose ball um, because it's just about positioning. Yeah. I, I feel like even if you're maybe not being able to backtrack on certain things, um, when you do have the ball, I find it very helpful when you're able to be effective with it at your feet. Um, even if it just means you're taking the ball in, passing it off two seconds later. If you could take the ball in and get a successful pass off, I'd say that's better than um, me trying to pass on a ball someone who's maybe not as adept with their feet and then hoping they score. So that's just my I, I, soccer my is such a, 
shape matters so much. So when you get someone who has a is really fast and runs around like crazy, then it creates more work for other players. So someone who's more technical has a little more close control. Uh, tend to also be smart players, um, and they make the people around them they make their jobs easier uh, because they're a smart player. You know that they're gonna retain possession, um, and it, it's nice to have a fast person on a team who's gonna run around. Uh, but I. I play on a team right now and everyone's like what are you doing pressure the ball and I'm like I'm not going to pressure the ball because I'm going to expend all my energy like if we're going to pressure and and have a high press it's going to be as a team I'm not just going to run side to side and up and down the whole time right play play in a formation play in a shape play as a team those those more technical players tend to have a more technical understanding of the game too uh, and, and it's better suited for that style of play, I guess, which is the style that I like to play. All right, closing question for the dummy. All right. The very soccer dummy here. What's the one thing that a non-soccer enthusiast can say or do that gets out of your skin the most? Oh, then I guess. I guess for me, it would be. Uh, when I see people start watching the sport and then are so critical of the player when not fully understanding the system of a team and or even so yet considering their age. So, okay, okay. Um, they didn't complete certain passes. Some people might be like, oh, they're... they're the garbage, all this hype that you see on like Twitter or uh, like in the sphere of the conversations on soccer, people just blow things out of proportion based on one performance of a player. And that truly gets under my skin because mm-hmm. it's, it has to be an immediate performance value to a T for them when they just don't have the patience to sit and watch the growth. And then those are the same people who the following game will be saying, Oh, they played great. Like they're the best player on the team. And it's like, just yeah, be no, consistent. Just, <laughs> just stop. You're so quick to say something and to put your opinion out. Like, just look at the, look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think for me, it's when probably the most annoying thing thing that gets under my skin the most is whether you go to a game or you're in a game, there's someone just yelling, take the shot. Like, <laughs> like always take the shot, like freaking out about it. Like that, that causes that person who you want to take the shot. Like they're going to like hear that and like hesitate for a second. Yeah. I just, I, I hate don't, just for, don't forced interjections on the player on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. But no, those were uh, those were some good questions. That's it. This dummy has been enlightened. Oh. Uh, well, 
do you have any uh, closing statements that you would like to make? We like to try and uh, give our guests uh, just a, a little option to to say something, speak their piece about something going on or something they're interested in. I'll see one of you two in the fantasy football championship. Ooh, I like it. Oh, all right, all right. Probably Blake over me, but yeah, I'd love to see you there and likely lose on the way it's going. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're looking forward to it. I think you're going to best me this week, Langman, as we do have this matchup, but I'll see you in the ship. Sounds good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And that concludes our dummy. I'm going to be having some water here while we Are discuss. Are you trying to command the attention of the room right now? Our mi- our midfield options. Because you so, realize you're all alone in your room. There's no one to command here. So we're going to be talking about the midfield where we have likely our most depth on the team for the U.S. men's national team. Not likely, um, for sure. There are so many names in the midfield. It's exciting. And, ar- and arguably at some of our best, they're playing at the best teams amongst this whole group. Mm-hmm. So we got... Mm-hmm. We got Tyler Adams. He's only 21, playing at Red Bull Leipzig. We got Weston McKinney. He's only 22. He's playing at Juventus, albeit on loan, but he's likely to stay. We've got Julian Green, who's kind of in the second tier of the Bundesliga. He's only 25, which seems like he's ages older than that. Um, I guess that's up in part because we'd seen him in the 2014 World Cup when he was only 19. It's kind of hard to believe that was six years ago, but here we are now. He's 25. He's in the second tier of the Bundesliga. Um, who else we got, Blake? We have, in terms of options for this camp, Alfredo Morales at Fortuna Dusseldorf, Richie Ledesma at Young PSV with Chris Gloucester. Although, as I mentioned, he did make his first appearance for PSV Eindhoven today and registered an assist in his 15 minutes and then we also have alex mendez at young ix and Dwayne holmes at derby county in the english championship so just to be quick and brief on this point when you hear blake saying young psv or young ix that just means the second team um just just to be brief on that Sometimes it's not as clear. I only learned that today as well. I thought it might have been an extension team because for Red Bull teams, you have Leipzig, Salzburg, New York, so on and so forth. For all I knew, young PSV was in an area, but I guess it's just their second team. So we're learning together. Who do you think is going to fill what positions? We've got four. We've got four to fill. Or are we just talking the center too? Because we also talk about wingers here. So uh, what what's your formation here that we're working with, Blake? So the formation that I am working with is 
a 4-2-3-1. So four at the back, two kind of defensive midfielders that'll act more as a pivot, um, but you're probably going to have one person as more as the more who acts more as a holding defensive mid with one person, the other player that has a little bit more free roam. So the defensive holding mid, your six, that other player with free roam more is your box to box eight. The two that I have in those positions, Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. Both workhorses. I think McKinney is a great eight. Runs that box-to-box -box very well. Has an incredible amount of energy. And he is just going to get better under Andre Pirlo at UVA. Arguably one of the best midfielders of all time. Yes. Andre, Andre Pirlo. And, you know, just having that as a mentor, even if per se he wasn't getting the minutes he was getting or is getting, just having that mentorship alone is awesome. The mm -hmm. fact that he's seen the field as much as he is, he's going to be phenomenal in a short period of time here. And just to put out some stats, in his few appearances with Juventus, he's got a 6.91 rating, 86% pass accuracy. His uh, shots on targets at 67%. Can't wait for him to find the back of the net. Um, he's 100% success on his dribbles, and he's 75% successful on tackles. That is the kind of person you want in your midfield, holding down the middle, like that. Not just the midfield in general, the center and a defensive holding. Going to be able to move forward. Going to be able to find those passes to our forwards, our wings, and, and really make those create late those runs. Yes, but then at the same time, be able to backtrack and stop any counter. Right. The other guy, Tyler Adams. He is he's my traditional six. He's gonna play that quarterback role for for those of you that follow American football a little more. Tyler Adams is gonna have that six role and he is going to kind of sit in front of that back line. He may be able to join the attack, but he's essentially going to be the first line, not the first line of defense, but he's gonna be that first real uh stoppage where it's going to slow everything down hopefully he's going to be able to break things up intercept some passes but also distribute the ball uh and and direct and make switches that uh help the team ultimately get some some uh, marks in that win column absolutely and and there's a lot of chatter going on that tyler adams is going to be wearing that captain's band too but we'll we'll touch on that once we create our full lineup yep. on who we believe should be in the captain position. Um, so out of all those midfielders listed, are we just trying to fill the two and then move forward to wingers or how many more do we have to work with here, Blake? Well, we're, we're let's, let's move on to wingers. Um, so before we do that, then let's lock down who our midfield back two are going to be in your four, three, Four two three one. Four two three one. I would agree on basically what we just said. Yep. Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams. Welcome to the team. Hey, we got it on time that time. All right. So moving moving into wingers, and I guess essentially that that middle uh, piece of that attacking trio there. 
that sit behind our number nine at the front. The options. We've got Christian Pulisic, Captain America. Captain America. We've got Giovanni Reyna, the American Dream. Nicknamed by the wonder kid Erling Holland at his teammate at Dortmund. Those two are linking up incredibly. They are a scary duo along with Jaden Sancho there. Whew, we're gonna see we good already things got, from Gio. And and just to put this in perspective, everybody, Giovanni Reyna is seventeen. And he's already being rumored to make a move to Real Madrid, or at least they're keeping an eye on him. So yep. look out, folks. This guy is going to be a household name very soon. He became a couple of weeks ago, he became the youngest U.S. player to feature in a Champions League match, uh, beating Christian Pulisic out by about a month, close to 30 days, I believe it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see great things from Giovanni Reyna, who is the son of former U.S. men's national teamer Claudio Reyna. Excellent Football is in player. his blood. His mom played too. Um, but who else we got? Who else we got? We got Timothy Weah, Conrad De La Fuente, Tyler Boyd as some options to be called in here for this camp. So. Let's let's start on the outside. On that left side, who do you got? Come on, man. Quit yank on my chain. We all know it's <laughs> got to be Christian Pulisic or it, you're just not making the right choice. It has to be Christian Pulisic. And 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 Greg Bearhalter, I know I know you're listening right now. Don't you dare play him on the inside. If you if you have if you have your mind about you, why would you why would Put it in the shoes of this. Would you play Frank Ribery outside of position? Would you play Iron Robin off the other wing? No. They're prolific in those inside cuts from the right and left. If Christian Pulisic is dominant on that left wing, great taking it in on his right foot, slotting it in the corner of the net, you play him there. You have that, plenty of other options. You play Please him outside. Play him there. He likes to drift a bit centrally. He likes to go one-on-one, be very direct. He is has a 38% success rate in dribbles, right? This, in that's just that's just this season right now. He's had a rough yes. go, so we can't we can't quite determine uh, the stature of his position on Chelsea quite yet this season because, quite frankly, it's been frustrating. For everybody, most mostly him, and, mm-hmm. and it's hard to watch him have to deal with persistent injuries um, from keeping those minutes. So, but looking at stats from last season, Christian Pulisic was in the top five in the Prem, arguably the best league in Europe. Top five in the number of. 1v1 dribbles completed, right? The kid is insane. He has pace. He has the footwork and control. He can shoot. He looks for that pass in the final third to set his fellow attackers up. He is amazing. 
Do not play him on the right. Do not play him in the middle. Frank Lampard, do not play him on the right. That guy is a left winger. That is his position. That is where he is the most dangerous. And he will continue to help the team, whatever team he is on, if he is in that position. You also, look... how old is he? 22. He's 22, folks. We've got yeah. lots of years out of this out of this kid here. Excuse me, this man, because he's taken the Prem by storm when he's healthy, and I really hope that he continues to improve because I know he will. So when he came on. Hold up, when he came on for the Champions League match last week, he came on in the seventy fourth minute or seventieth. And what was what was the score minute. when he came on? The score was one zero when he came on. Okay. This guy came on in the 70th minute, in the 74th or 75th minute, takes a shot, defender, hits his hand, right? So his shot draws the penalty that is then put away to make it 2-0. Next, two minutes later, loose ball on the left side. Pulisic sprints, gets the ball, plays a quick little pass in to, uh, at this point I can't even remember. Tammy Abraham. Yeah, it, it was to Tammy, and then Tammy put it across to Werner Werner for that goal. But it, it was Pulisic's hustle to get that loose ball on the left side and, and make a quick, smart pass to Abraham that set up that, that third goal. 3-0, 78th minute. And then finally, finds himself in the right position. Tammy Abraham puts one across the box on the ground uh, to Pulisic. And... Guy puts it in the back of the net. So, with that all being said, without a shadow of a doubt, Christian Pulisic is going to be our starter on the left. Welcome to the squad. You're already familiar, buddy. <laughs> Let's move out to that right side. We've got some options. We have options here. We do. I All right. I mean, we've, we've stated Gio Reyna. Tim Weah. I personally think that's a position for Tim Weah. For more of our winger style. Um, Who else do we got out there as an option? Tyler Boyd as an option. Conrad De La Fuente as an option. Although I I think Conrad... uh, I haven't really seen a whole lot of Conrad, but I think he likes to be on the left more. Yeah, De La Fuente, um, for those listening, De La Fuente is kind of a teetering between Barcelona A and Barcelona B. He's not seen the field um, in a competitive match for the A team. Not like he's he seen a friend. He's, times, he's made the bench a couple times. Um, he's at an excellent team that's in a messy rebuild, but regardless, one of the best teams in the world. And that he's 19 that deserves a call up if anything so given this we're talking about the november friendlies he needs to get called up and i believe he actually deserves to get some minutes on the field against wales um, even if it's for the last 15 because you already have other options you got tim wea who's had a rough go at lily and not necessarily up to his own uh dealing i think he's just struggling to find his feet there. He's only had 34 minutes played in total. Um, this year, yeah. Yeah, this year. But he's those, got, he, those in front of them, 
I, I will say the manager at Lille did mention that those in front of them have taken advantage of their opportunity and they are playing well right now. So it's going to be hard for Wea to, to break in and get regular minutes until they have a dip in form. Then he's got to capitalize on that and he will get yeah. more minutes. But it's, it's then, been a rough spell for him. And then Tyler Boyd, uh, I guess one last thing. Tim Wea is only 20. Yeah. He's got a lot of time. Um, but moving forward to Tyler Boyd, kind of in an unfortunate situation. Um, the team he's he's uh, signed to, I won't even say playing, kind of really did him poorly. They uh, Bastikas, oh no, Bas Basiktas, excuse me, Basiktas. They they signed him. I think they I think he signed an extension on his contract. And then they said, well, you're not even going to see the field. So he's not even really even training with the team. Yeah. He's just, it's... he's, he's in, he's in, he's in purgatory. Wouldn't call it limbo. He's in purgatory. And I would say he's deserving of a call up. I don't know if he'd be able to see too much of the field, but I would say deserving of some minutes for the very least of instilling a bit of confidence from Greg bear halter in in this talent that's just had a rough go um i know greg's probably very furious at that situation and probably working actively to get him out of that area so yeah well we still haven't really covered uh, a whole lot here in terms of who we want on that right side now you you said I, I guess you alluded to Wea being that person on the right side. Um, and and I, I think I have to agree with that. Wea goes out on the right if he's healthy. Um, now, I'm not entirely sure how he's doing coming back from, from injury, right, if he's 100%. But if he's healthy in this camp, in this window against Wales, I want him on the right side. And let, uh, let's let's say why not? He's not seeing a ton of the field. I think he could use that boost in confidence. Yeah, as a lot of these young players can, they haven't gotten a ton of caps. So Tim Weah, welcome to the starting lineup. Okay, let's then, go to that middle. That middle, I think that's where you bring in young Gio Reyna. He has been phenomenal with Dortmund. He's that's mm-hmm. that's. I feel like that that has that's his spot. It has his name written all over it. He's he's played out as a winger with Dortmund on both the left and the right, but you see him drift centrally a lot and and take up space in the middle of the field in that attacking third. Um, and so I I think just with his style of play, he likes the one twos. He can create chances for himself. He's good at setting others up. I agree. I think Reina's in the middle, but. You also have players like Julian Green, who, since he's been moved back into a midfield position, has done remarkably better. Um, and so so Green may have the, the possibility to start there if Gio is seen just as a winger and not as as that number the number 10 playmaker, central playmaker type player. Um, but I think if we're, if we're looking to get our best 11 on the field, that's Reyna in the middle. 
right there. I completely agree. Hey, Raina. Hey, young Raina. Welcome to the welcome to the squad, buddy. You're on the starting lineup. I also think that that's a position that uh, Richie Ledesma would fill well to, um, and even in the future, uh, possibly Caden Clark or Brennan Aronson. Uh, that that would also be their fighting position. You may also see them jump into like a number eight role, like McKinney's position. Um, but worthy of naming them there for those spots, uh, they will be fighting for it and they do have tremendous talent and are also very young. So they'll, they'll be a piece of this moving forward for sure. All right, let's take a, a moment here and transition to our, probably our most contentious position that has vacancy written all over it. (laughs) We've got... We've got the striker conversation coming up. What is this, a boxing match? Our striker position is arguably the least set position on this entire squad. Now, before we dive into who the players are, here's my opinion on like kind of what the strikers are. You know, strikers have a swagger about them. They got a personality. They're oftentimes like they really they they have a much larger ego. Um, just I mean, come on, you net goals. What's that gonna do for you? It's gonna make your head get bigger, you know. Like it's just the nature of of the position, and you kind of want that in a player too to kind of really get under the skin of that that back line, be really shifty, and you know wreak havoc on them but we don't really have um it's there's not as much clear depth to this position there's certain front runners that are likely to take up this spot but arguably they haven't necessarily been consistent or thoroughly proved um, themselves to have a permanent take to that position We've got Josh Sargent, who's 20. We've got Ulian Yanez, who's 19. You got Andriha Novakovic, who's 24. You got Sebastian Soto, who's 20. And Blake probably doesn't want to hear this name right now, but I'm going to bring it back up because if you bring Julian Green into the conversation, I'm going to bring Aaron Johansson into the conversation. He's 29 or 30. But you know what? He's in Europe, and if we're talking about a European pool, you can't leave him out of it. So, If we're bringing Arne Johansson into the conversation, then you bring Bobby Wood into the conversation. By all means. By all means. All right. But who's, but who's having the better season? Probably Johansson. All right, I don't know. Let's... I haven't checked in on Bobby in a while. Bobby, if you're listening, how you doing? All right, let's jump into the other the other players. Um, I'm going to let you take this one because I know you have strong feelings about this. Well, let's let's have a discussion here about Josh Sargent. Please, Matt. Yeah, You mentioned absolutely. to me the other day you have your reservations about Sargent. 
okay, I'll put in, yeah, I'll put in this perspective. You would like to see him start. I would love to see him on the squad for this friendly, and I don't really see reason to not start him. However, you know his current situation at, at Bremen. It's not been ideal. He's not really had a lot of opportunities up front. He only scored his first goal the other day for, on the season. Because he was finally played in position. So, that, but that's what I'm getting at. You, He's only just now been played in position. And as I stated at the beginning of this little segment here, you want to have that ego and that confidence about you on your striker position. I'm not saying Sargent doesn't have it, but when they're hot in that position, they're hot in that position. And... If you want to have a strong statement with your friendly in your striker position, I would currently play somebody who's hot at finding the back of the net. I'm not saying he's going to take the full 90, but he might start the game out to really kind of get things rolling. Because once you're comfortable in finding um, your shot and in position, you're going to keep feeding that person the ball. Not saying Josh Sargent can't get there, and he will get there. He's just not been given those opportunities enough this season. So that's the reason why I'm saying I don't know if I would necessarily start him out the gate, but definitely giving him plenty of minutes, maybe splitting halves. I understand, and I disagree. That's that's how we're going to put that. Let's hear your Josh, Sargent has, until this last match day, He's been played out of position the entire season for Werder Bremen. And last season was a tumultuous season for Bremen, right? They were bottom of the league. They just squeaked by and staying in the Bundesliga. But this year, I'm pretty sure he's been involved in every game, has started most games, but been played out of position. The other forward at Bremen finally, finally, or not finally, but he's been injured. So Bremen got the start, or not Bremen, Sargent got the start up top, right? And he capitalized and got a goal for the team. Now, the situation at Bremen still isn't great. They're doing better than they were last year, but they still, they've transitioned to a very defensive-minded squad so it's gonna be sergeant on his own a lot i feel like if he is going to be playing up top at bremen i don't know if he's going to be able to do that but i think the sergeant is a great talent and that he is at this point he is the striker of the future this is an international friendly you're playing against Wales, you get the guy on, you're building on his confidence, he's shown some fire, um, he he is visibly pissed in an interview that he has earlier, like two or three weeks ago, with like the outcome of the match, like, he's starting to get that swagger about him, he gets his goal, you bring him in, you start him in this, this camp against Wales, in this friendly, and you continue to build that confidence and show him that, yep, this is our guy. He starts in that match. I'm sure he he gets a goal or puts in a very good 60, 70 minutes. 
And that's just okay. going to continue to his growth or lead well, to better growth. Sebastian Soda's got five goals in six games. He's the same age as Josh Sargent. Why not start him? Soto He's- has to be called into this camp. For me, he has to be called into this camp. There is a possibility that Soto goes and plays for Chile. He's represented the U.S. at the youth levels, uh, but there's still a chance that he could play for Chile. And so I think if you're Burhalter, you have to call him in, not only because of that, but because he is worthy of a call, right? He's been performing very well. He's another young talent that could be and provide a very dangerous one-two punch uh, with Sargent up there if they both continue to develop on their current trajectory. And and hopefully we see them not just hit like what we expect them to be at, but but even reach greater heights. Um, But yeah, no, I think Soto comes in and I think Soto gets minutes. I think he gets minutes. I don't think he gets the start. I do believe that Bearhalter has stated that he does not want to let Soto go. And he wants is, Soto. And and yeah. this is and if if he's smart about this, which I'm you know what? I believe Bearhalter's gonna be smart in this situation. He's gonna call Soto into this camp, especially mm-hmm. on the limitations on who you can bring over there. Um and if he doesn't, you know what? Why don't we call up Jesse Marsh? I don't. I mean, let's let's be real here. That's a whole different conversation. I'm going to be very brief. You know what? Why not? I mean, we got plenty of time between now and the next World Cup. Just <laughs> Jesse Marsh has stated he wouldn't turn down the opportunity, and he, if, not, if, he could not. He could not. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. We Although, can talk about that for. Apparently, Jesse Marsh has also been linked to uh, take over at Dortmund after. Lucian Favre leaves. Yes. So we've got some, we've got a good American manager overseas right now, folks. Um, But this does not solve our starting striker position. And, you know, I, I believe Sargent will get the start. I'm just saying, Aaron Johansson has 10 goals this season. He's on the up and up. Yes, he's about 30. But I believe if you maybe want to get a fast start with a sure foot at this current stage, I would start him. And as we both know, probably there's going to be a lot of substitutions as a whole mm-hmm. in this friendly period. There will be. Yep. So, Starting doesn't necessarily mean being like surefire position. I just think it's maybe to get a sure foot on the game with some ex- some like veteran experience as far as age and caps. Um, but here's a here's another question for you. We've talked about the limitation of the amount of players who are going to be brought overseas potentially, even if any, from the MLS. What's keeping Bearhalter from saying bringing Altador? Because we we have not listed him. Toronto is in the playoffs, and I'm positive Bearhalter will not bring anyone on a team who makes the MLS playoffs. 
the MLS has stated there will be no games during that international window. But I still don't see Berhalter calling in anyone from a team who makes the playoffs. So. All right. All right. So. You know what? Let me let me let me go back to this Johansson bit. It, it may seem to you, Matt, like I do not like Arn Johansson. I I like Johansson, and I think he's a good player. But uh, what uh, what did we have here as his stats? What did we say? Um, he scored 13 goals in 34 games for Hammerby. Four goals in 19 games for the U.S. I can't remember a whole lot about Johansson's play, but I didn't ever feel when he played at the the international level that he looked comfortable. It looked like the the pace of the game was a little too fast for him. And I say that hesitantly because when you go from like a top club in the world to international play, you hear all the top players say that international plays slower. Um, but Johansson isn't in one of the top clubs. And yeah. Neither is Sargent. Neither is Sargent. Well, Bundesliga is not one of the top Argu- clubs. Argu- arguably higher. I'm giving you that. <laughs> but you're saying top clubs. Or top clubs, top leagues. All right. Um, all right. All right. There we go. Yeah, there. That's what I meant to say. And uh, yes, Johansson has the hot foot now. He's performed very well uh, to this, like, for this young season. But I just, I, if we're going to call in someone with veteran experience who's produced and come up in big moments for the national team, I'm going to call in Bobby Wood instead of Johansson. Bobby Wood has fallen off the map, I know, but if I'm if I'm looking to bring I would in like to a see Bobby veteran Wood. experience, I would like, like to see Bobby Wood as well at at some. But I'm gonna I, I feel I feel like this is gonna be an impasse, and I, I guess I'm again gonna say like I would want to see a, a sure foot and a hot foot on a start. And then bring in Josh Sargent for either the entire second half or or like most like most of the game. You, know, you don't have to have, uh, considering it's a friendly, and we just acknowledge that there's probably gonna be a lot of subs. I would just I just would want to see um, a current hot foot on the ball in our striker position to start the game. I don't, I don't know that you can say that just because he's been played out of position does not mean that Sargent does not have a hot foot. He's been played out of position, but he is, because he's been played out of position, that leads me to believe that his manager believes he is in the best 11 on the team, and he is finding a way to get Sargent onto the pitch, even yeah, if it's but, out of position. Okay, but when you're out of position and you're not, 
I'm not saying he's not capable of scoring goals, but there is a rhythm to it. And once you start finding that rhythm in that forward position, you continue to take that stride. So that's why I'm saying, like, yes, Josh Sargent's been played out of position, but does that mean he's going to be a surefire up front right away? I think he combines well, and when you look at the midfield that we have, he will be able to play very well with Pulisic, Reyna, Weah, McKenney, Adams. With those guys that we have in there, he will get chances for himself. He'll create chances for himself. He'll create chances for others. He's a smart, intuitive player. He makes good runs. I think so. All right, all right. Young Gun Squad, Josh Sargent. <laughs> you say that so defeated. Uh, but that's the call, Matt. That's the call. I, I'm, I'm agreeable. I just feel like I have some valid points on my end that are in the, in the, in the field of Johansson. Johansson has a hot foot right now. I'm yes, not, he's performing. You know what? I'm not. Yeah. And he, that let's say he does get those minutes and whether starting or not, and proves his place again. I don't think he'd play more than this next World Cup. Period. Right. But it's good to have that depth in in that position with Sergeant sitting there. Uh, Yanez, who's up and coming, fingers crossed that Soto um, stays. But at the end of the day, like Soto's got to make the best decision for him. Yeah. Okay, so we've got our starting eleven that we would like to see among and all these players who we want to see called up. And let's just walk through that now with it all pieced together. What's our formation that we've got here, Matt? We've got a obviously the goalie, then a 4-2-3-1 from back to front. So four defenders, two defensive mids, three attacking mids if you will, and one striker. And who do we have in goal? We got Zach Steffen. Left back we have Anthony Robinson. Left center back, Jonathan Brooks. Right center back, Chris Richards. And right back, Serginho Dest. It's a pretty solid back line. I do like those four names back there quite a bit. You throw in Cannon as well, I am pretty much just as comfortable with that on the right side. Moving up to our defensive mids. We got on Weston left, McKinney. We got Weston McKinney, yes. And, and on the got- right. Tyler Adams, who we would award the captain band. Yay! I think he's very deserving. That guy has, just, I think, insane leadership qualities, right? He is a He's workhorse. above his age in those Absolutely. leadership qualities. And he, he's got a very good head on him. I would say McKinney is a very – McKinney's a hot-headed player, right? He – he gets a fire lit under him and he goes. But Adams, he's a workhorse. 
egos, but he's always got his head about him. Great leadership. I've listened to like several press conferences with him um, and, and just like some other random interviews. I think he would be a wonderful captain. All right, let's move forward. Who we got in the left wing? Is that even a question? Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Captain America. Find, who do we find in that center position? Gio. Hit me with my boy. Gio Reyna. Yeah, and then outright. Timothy Weah. And with... Up front, much, Matt, I'll let you say it. And with much reservation... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and up top, we've got Josh Sargent. So that has... Um, quite the lineup for the U.S. And Blake, why don't you tell us the average starting age of our start, our starting eleven? So not not counting like days, just based on years. Uh, the average starting age for those eleven, twenty-one years, basically twenty-one and a half years old, twenty-one point four five years old. This is going to be one of the youngest squads amongst any international team and where they currently play it's a it's going to be a lethal team granted they all stay healthy it's mm-hmm. they're going to be a lucrative force on the pitch so yes sir you you need you all need to tune into this uh match it's going to be an exciting time come november 12th for those starting 11 welcome Can't wait for November 12th. Can't come soon enough. Yeah. I think that uh, that wraps it up here, Matt. Let's uh, let's sign off, guys. Thanks so much for listening into this episode. We had a lot of fun with this one, and we hope that you enjoy listening to it. Uh, I'm Blake. And I'm Matt. And uh, if you want to see the lineup visualized, we're going to send one out on our Instagram, and we're going to have one out on our Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore up and over. Or on Instagram at MBFC underscore up and over. Tell us your thoughts on what should be the lineup. Let's hear it from you. We'll catch you next time.